Please open your Bibles to the first chapter of the Gospel according to Mark. Mark and the first chapter, and I'll be reading from verses 40 through 45. Hear now the words of the living and true God. Now a leper came to him, that is to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And he strictly warned him, and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in desolate places. And they came to him from every quarter. The text of our message this morning comes from the passage I have just read at the closing of the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. As time does not permit us to adequately handle the entire passage, we will turn our attention to the 41st verse. With the Lord's help, let us open up this text together and see what he would have for us in this place. Let us pray. O Eternal One, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer, for we do pray in Christ's name. Amen. The first thing that we read in our passage is that a leper came to the Lord Jesus. Leprosy is a terrible disease. Besides the skin, nerves, and appendages, Leprosy can also affect the breathing and the sight of its victim. The most obvious symptom is lesions on the skin, as we read in detail in the 13th chapter of the book of Leviticus. In addition to the physical suffering, lepers were often ostracized from human society. For the Hebrew, this also meant that the leper would have to be careful not to spread the disease to others, lest they too would be deemed unclean by the priest and barred from the public worship of God's people. Can you imagine what it would be like to live out the lonely and miserable life of a leper? We come now to our text in verse 41, where we read that Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. What do we see in the miraculous healing of this gospel passage? We see how fitting and suitable the Lord Jesus Christ is to be our great physician and savior. And in the final analysis, we also see that Jesus is revealed to us in this miracle as our consenting Christ. 
With this as our doctrine, we will follow the words of our text under three heads. First, we see Jesus as he is moved with compassion for the leper. Secondly, we see him as he puts forth his healing hand to touch the leper. And thirdly, or lastly, we see Jesus as he cleanses the leper and consents to his request using the leper's own words or terms. So first, we read that Jesus was moved with compassion. The two other parallel passages in Matthew and Luke do not use the word compassion, but the sense of it is still there. For Christ's compassion fills the whole account. While our English translation simply reads that Jesus was moved with compassion, the original language here is much richer and more descriptive of the Lord's emotional state. This phrase, moved with compassion, actually comes from just a single Greek word, splanchnizomai, which according to Bollinger's critical lexicon means to feel the bowels yearn. Furthermore, this Greek word is related to another word, splanchnon, which simply means the intestines or bowels. We see that this word for intestines is used quite literally in Acts chapter 1, verse 18, where we read of Judas, who betrayed our Lord, that after he hanged himself, his body fell headlong, and he burst open in the middle, and his intestines, or bowels, gushed out. But to our point, this same word for bowels is often used in the scripture figuratively. In this way, the word may be rendered as pity or sympathy, as we have in our text or inward affection, or tender mercy. We see several examples of this usage in the scripture. And the King James Version provides for us the literal word bowels in the translation of the figure. For example, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 8, we read the Apostle Paul saying, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now this may sound like an odd expression to the modern reader. And indeed, there may be some of us who find the term a bit off-putting. Nonetheless, the scriptural usage of this term bowels is actually a precious offering to us from the Holy Spirit's indicted word. For from this usage, we are given a keen insight into the emotional qualities of the God-man, Jesus Christ in particular, and in general, our own human nature. We find a very intriguing usage of this figure in the book of Philemon. Here the Apostle Paul is pleading with Philemon to be reconciled to a servant, Onesimus, who evidently stole some of his master's goods and ran away and then was placed in prison alongside Paul, where under his gospel ministry, Onesimus was converted. Now, as a brother in Christ, Onesimus becomes very dear to Paul. Speaking of him, Paul writes, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. By Lehman 12. Now, some other translations render this as, quote, my very heart, unquote. Indeed, Bollinger says that this expression in the Greek is analogous 
to how in the English we use the term heart. That is to say, as Bollinger points out, that this term bowels, when used figuratively in the scripture, signifies, quote, the seat of the feelings, affections, unquote. What is so remarkable about this text is the way that Paul expresses his feelings about giving Onesimus back to Philemon. Paul is saying that he feels as if he is cutting out his heart, or biblically speaking, his own bowels and giving them to Philemon. This is the manner in which Paul chooses to express his deep love for this man Onesimus, that one-time thief and runaway servant, but now convert and beloved brother of Paul. My brothers and elders, do you, do I, give ourselves in love to one another in such a deep, heartfelt, and compassionate way as we read of Paul doing here? And we should not think of this quality as something that belongs exclusively to the apostolic ministry. For we ourselves are commanded to do the same. As we read in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Put on bowels of mercies. This is a commandment for all of us. This is an expression of the very love of Jesus Christ, which we must manifest in our gospel ministry. There are other places in the scripture that uses this term bowels in a figurative sense, but this would be sufficient to make our point. Jesus Christ did not simply have compassion for this poor leprous man, but he was moved deeply with passion, viscerally like a yearning that you would feel in your gut. This is what is meant when we read that Jesus was moved with compassion in our text. And it was from this deeply seated feeling of compassion that our Lord reaches out and touches this man to cleanse him from his miserable condition of leprosy. Perhaps you're asking yourself, well, what does Jesus' emotional state have to do with me? My brothers and elders, this means that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4, 15. You see, the humanity of Jesus Christ is our humanity. He knows what it's like when you feel tired or hungry or thirsty. He knows what it's like when in your ministry you sometimes feel all alone as you are misunderstood by others, though you meant to serve them and do them good. He knows what it's like when you feel beaten down by the daily pressures and the stress, and in general, the miseries of this life. Jesus knows. He understands. He's been there. 
He sympathizes with your weaknesses. He cares for your flock. But as you feed his sheep, he also cares for you. We come now to our second head as we continue to follow the words of our text and we read that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. The reaching out of Christ's hand to touch this poor leper, as we said, is an outward demonstration of that inward stirring up of Christ's compassion that we just considered. It is with only this touch of Christ and his word that he heals this man who is full of leprosy. When we read in the parallel account in Luke that this man was, quote, full of leprosy, unquote, we understand that his leprosy was of the worst kind. Yet Christ is not repulsed by the leper, nor is he fearful of his disease. We see this when Jesus touches him. Though the disease may be vile and loathsome, Christ freely receives him and stretches out his hand to touch him. As Jesus said at another time, All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no way cast out. In our text we see Jesus touching the untouchable. According to God's ceremonial law, if others touch the leper, they would be made unclean. Yet when the leper is touched by Christ, the leper is made clean. The touch of the leprous man may be life-threatening, but the touch of Christ is life-giving. Now, for the first time since he contracted the disease, the once leprous man can touch others. Think of it this way. The man is now free to touch others because Jesus freely touched him. The Lord has restored to him what we all take for granted. To touch one another in love and comfort is one of the great gifts that God has given to us in our common humanity. Though none of us suffer from this disease, what about the infection of our sin? Is not our sin like a loathsome disease before the Lord? When we look down at our skin, we do not see the foul spots of leprosy on us. But what about the foul spots on our soul from the guilt of our sin before an infinitely holy God? We are not full of leprosy as this man was, but are we not full of sin? Are we not like a leper who is polluted by his disease from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet? Yet there remains for us hope, hope in our great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ. His healing touch extends to all kinds of leprosy from the foul spots of our skin to the foul spots of our soul. As the Marshall notes of the Geneva Bible put it, by healing the leprous, he showeth that Christ came for this cause, to wipe out the sins of the world with his touching. We come now to our third head, as we continue to follow the words of our text, and we read that Jesus said to him, I will. Be clean. 
You see, in response to the leper, Jesus was willing. Jesus was willing and able. What a punch there must have been in those few simple words, I will be clean. What sort of power went out from Christ when he spoke them? Who is this Jesus of Nazareth who can perform such a miracle which demonstrates so much power and efficacy in the healing of a man who is full of leprosy? As with all of Christ's miracles, this one testifies as to who he is. Jesus said, If I do the works of my Father, though you do not believe me, believe the works. The power of this miracle is a demonstration of bringing something into being which did not exist before. How different is this then from the power that we see at the beginning in the creation of all things? Let there be light, and there was light. Does not this sort of power, which is displayed in this miracle, point to the deity of Christ? And the leper was made clean, for Jesus said, Be clean. Under the ceremonial law, a leper would be examined by the Levitical priest to determine whether or not he was clean from leprosy. But now, our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who determines whether or not we are clean from the leprosy of sin. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he told them, He who has bathed only needs to wash his feet, for he is clean altogether. Then Jesus added these words, And you are clean. When Christ, our high priest, declares that we are clean, we are clean indeed. For he clothes us, with the white robe of his own righteousness. Here's a point I don't want you to miss. In using the words, I will be clean, our Lord answers in the same terms which the leper used in his request. If you will, you can make me clean. It is as if Jesus answered him by saying, I will as you have said it. What a wonder this is, a Lord and Master who consents with us. The Christ of majesty and glory condescends to our low condition, not only to us as creatures, but even as sinners, to listen to our petitions. And he not only listens, but he even consents to them. Now, just to clarify, I'm not saying that we should lay out our claims before God where he has made no promises. We must not presume to know God's will unless we are taught by his word. Yet, if we be in Christ, the Lord is ours and we are his. In our communion with him, he consents to the earnest desires of our hearts as they agree with his own good pleasure. And by our growth in the grace of Christ, our will is more and more conformed to his. In this sense, all of the words of Christ are, I will 
to his beloved elect. Just as we are to him, his imploring children, so Jesus is to us, our consenting Christ. The will of Christ to cleanse this leper is the same will to cleanse his bride, the church, from her sin. Our healing and salvation is most evidently the will of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a kind heart do we find in the Lord Jesus. He desires good things for us. The Lord is not a hard man reaping where he has not sown. Don't you see then how fitting Jesus Christ is to be our great physician and our Savior and Lord? Jesus was viscerally moved with compassion for this leprous man. He stretched out his hand and touched him. He powerfully answered the leper's petition in his own terms, I will be clean. How can we resist to place our trust in such a compassionate and willing Savior? Are you not drawn to him? Do you believe in him? What if your cry is like another man that we find in the gospel? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Christ Jesus says, I will. For Jesus is our consenting Christ. Amen.